Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. We have our terrific returning guest tonight, Professor Anne Margaret Daniel. We're calling this fourth episode Gilligan and the Professor because Anne is so much smarter than I am. She's a professor at the New School, uh, University of New York City. Also, she teaches at Bard College at Annandale on Hudson. Her essays on music, literature, and books have appeared in the New York Times, the Hot Press, No Depression, and more. She's got more degrees than Albert Einstein. She knows quite a bit about a fellow named F. Scott Fitzgerald and another Minnesota writer, musician named Bob Dylan. And uh, we've been taking uh, three episodes, and now this will be our fourth, a deep dive into Bob Dylan's new, uh, what I'm calling a masterpiece, Rough and Rowdy Waves. Professor, how are you today? I'm just fine, and thank you so much for having me back. That is an introduction that I cannot even hope to live up to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've been incredible, and I've gotten such great response on these shows. And, of course, uh, Dylan fanatics love talking to other Dylan fanatics. So, so, uh, And you bring such uh, a deep dive into, uh, into your knowledge about Bob Dylan. Uh, you're quite the scholar uh, when it comes to Bob and other things. But uh, we've saved the, uh, the epic on Rough and Rowdy Ways, Murder Most Foul, for this episode on the Wall and Power Radio Hour. And uh, I'm looking at the lyrics here that I printed out, uh, Professor, and I've got five pages. <laughs> it, it's a long one. I was, I was just going to say, you killed a lot of trees, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, is, it is a very long song, and uh, I mean, I would, I would say that the bulk of the song is is dedicated to the long list, or rather litany, of names of other songs, plays, artistic works that comes at the end mm-hmm. with the directive play, play this, play that. But actually the bulk of the song, the weight of the song, is in the original stanzas that come before it. Um, it may not take up as much room in what you've printed out, but... My gosh, that's heavy. Well, and it was the first song that was released uh, from the record Rough and Rowdy Ways. And, you know, the opening lines, it was a dark day in Dallas, November 63, a day uh, that will live on in infamy. President Kennedy was a riding high. Good day, good day to be a living and a good day to die. What a heavy way to start a song, man. Woo! What did you think when yeah, you heard it for the first time? Well, I was, um, I, it was funny, I, I couldn't sleep that night. I, I think like, like many people in our country and around the world, <laughs> during these dark days, um, I've been plagued by insomnia. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I have trouble getting to sleep at night. And I've been sort of adrift and, and you know, trying to read. And it was kind of 11.15, 11.30 that night. I hadn't been able to concentrate, and I um, I clicked over to look at um, Bob Links. I clicked over to look at a set list from a Dylan concert that I actually went to some decades ago. And I, in my search, I noticed that there was a link that said his own official website was down, or BobDylan.com was not responding, or 
you know, it was blank at this time. And I thought, huh, I wonder what's up. Hmm. <laughs> and I just, I stayed awake and I clicked over and then bang, at 12.02, there was Murder Most Foul. And um, simultaneously, it was posted at Bob Dylan Vivo, um, the, the, the video audio recording. Mm-hmm. And I listened to the audio all the way through while looking at the only image that accompanied the official video, which is this Backrack, um, Fabian Backrack portrait of John F. Kennedy that was taken, actually, when he was a senator, and that became his official White House portrait. And there it is reproduced in, in sepia with the words murder most foul in Gothic script over it. And you just looked into Kennedy's eyes and listened to the words of the song. It was um, it was a pretty overwhelming experience soon after midnight, i got to tell you. In the midnight hour. <laughs> That's... Uh, yep. That, uh, well, in a way, though, kind of a perfect way to uh, get into a song that, that has a lot of darkness in it, but yet has a lot of light in it as well. So much darkness. And I mean, the, not just the, the beginning. It, it begins as a ballad, of course. I mean, all ballads begin once upon a time, right? Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, with that archaic was. It's not it was, it's was a dark day in Dallas, November 63, and that, so you know exactly what that day is. You don't have to look it up, right? Mm-hmm. If you're, if, if you're even remotely a sentient person on this planet, I think you know that in November 1963, American history was entirely changed, and the, the modern world became the contemporary world with the assassination of a young president. Um, but then that second line, a day that will live on in infamy. Well, my dad was an American historian. He taught Civil War and Reconstruction at the University of Richmond down in Virginia for 40 years. And he grew up as a New Deal Democrat. So I certainly knew a lot about FDR personally. Mm-hmm. And, and again, if you're at least over a certain age, or if you've read, or if you know anything of American history, you know about the date that will live in infamy, which, of course, is the attack on Pearl Harbor December that finally 7th. got America into World War II, mm-hmm. and that came from Franklin Delano Roosevelt's speech that he gave announcing that we were going into the war. So you've got the murder of Kennedy twinned with... FDR, um, another great Democratic president, and the attack on Pearl Harbor, which, you know, that was 1941. That's Mm -hmm. the year in which Bob Dylan is born. So, you know, there's just such an overwhelming richness and darkness and also history Mm -hmm. that's packed into not just every single line of this song, but every single word of this song. You know? Well, and then, uh, you know, the other mind-blowing thing about this record, he was born in 1941, which means this is, he's the hardest rockin' 79-year-old ever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, every time... I have to tell tell you, Paul, I'm, I'm very much missing 
as we all are, I'm very much missing live music these days. And of course, it it absolutely makes sense not to be at concerts. Um, I am basically still sheltering at home, except when essential and necessary. I wear a mask every time I go out. I wash my hands compulsively. I'm trying to keep others safe as well as myself, of course. But I was so looking forward to the Dylan tour this summer. Um, I had tickets to a number of the events, including one at a fantastic outdoor venue up in Vermont. And I was so looking forward to the premiere of songs like Goodbye, Jimmy Reed. Mm -hmm. and, And I crossed the Rubicon and Key West. I don't know. I mean, who knows what Dylan will do or won't do. But I I don't think this would have been a song he would have premiered in concert this summer. Mm-hmm. But you never know. You never you know. You never know. Well, you know, Keith, I just read a great uh, interview with Keith Richards in Rolling Stone. He said, mm-hmm. uh, he said mm-hmm. you take uh, the damn out of pandemic and all you have left is panic. Oh, Leave God it to, bless Keith. Leave, leave <laughs> that's, it to you. Yeah, that's oh, a good one. Oh, he's one of, the, one of the smartest men in rock and roll. We are going to uh, play uh, parts of Murder Most Foul uh, throughout the next three segments and uh, have some more great insight from my guest, Professor Anne Margaret Daniel. We're going to jump right into Bob Dylan and his song Murder Most Foul. It was a dark day in Dallas. November 63 The day that would live on in infamy President Kennedy was a right line Good day to be living and a good day to die He led to the slaughter like a sacrificial lamb He said, wait a minute boys, you know who I am Of course we do, we know who you are Then they blew off his head while he was still in the car Shot down like a dog in broad daylight Was a matter of timing and the timing was right You got unpaid debts We've come to collect We're gonna kill you with hatred Without any respect We'll mock you and shock you, and we'll put it in your face. We've already got someone here to take your place. The day they blew out the brains of the king, thousands were watching, no one saw a thing. It happened so quickly, so quick by surprise. Right there in front of everyone's eyes Greatest magic trick ever under the sun Perfectly executed, skillfully done Wolfman, oh wolfman, oh wolfman, how Rub-a-dub-dub, it's a murder most foul Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metz, and my guest, Professor Anne Margaret Daniel. And this, uh, we're 
entered the uh, the first set on the Wall of Power Radio are talking about seeing Dylan live. And you and I have mentioned this uh, in our uh, previous three episodes about how these songs, the new songs that Bob Dylan plays, how they how they they just evolve when he starts playing them live. And that's why uh, not only do we miss seeing him play, but we're missing some of the, to see these great new songs evolve like that. What what are some of your, oh, I know you probably get uh, dozens of great Dylan performances you've witnessed, but what <laughs> would, what comes to you when I ask, eh, Professor, what is uh, one of the greatest moments when you've seen Bob Dylan in concert? Oh, golly. Well, I have to limit that because there are so many, but I'll, I'll limit it to what you're talking about, which is the concept of the evolving song mm-hmm. and how he does make changes. Um, I absolutely gloried in a performance he did of Tangled Up in Blue. I want to say it was uh, it was either at the Borgata or at Asbury Park in New Jersey. Um, and he changed the lines. He, he, he always messes with Tangled Up in Blue, famously so. Mm-hmm. And, and the lyric was... Um, it's the it's the she was working in a topless place, uh, and I stopped in for a beer. Lyric, mm-hmm. um, and he changed it so that um, she she was working at the Tropicana, and uh, and I she said she's going down to Atlanta, and I said <laughs> I'm going to stay right here, and I just I purely loved that. I couldn't believe it when I heard it, but it was just it was a beautiful kind of you know in the moment uh, change. And at least to me, and another moment that was like that for me was when he sang uh, "Simple Twist of Fate" in his last stand of shows that he has had to date up at the Beacon, um, the Beacon Theater on Broadway in New York, which was back in December of 2019, and he did uh, he did um, you know just some of the most beautiful patterns of rhyme in that song and uh, the whole idea that, you know, she should have met me back in 58, blame it on a simple twist of faith. Mm. Um, it, it just, it, he made several changes in that lyric that made the song seem like it was happening in New York city, not in the early 1960s and not all about Susan Rodolo and her relationship with Dylan, which is how the song is usually pegged, mm-hmm. but it made it seem it made it seem like it was happening right here in the here and now, and and I can't explain it. You kind of had to be there, but it made that song so different for me. I remember, uh, I think it was 1990. I uh, Bob Dylan was playing the Minnesota State Fair, and of course. We love mm-hmm. seeing Dylan when he returns to his uh, his home state, but uh, oh, sure. and it was one of those shows where uh, his voice was really raspy, and you know, there's sometimes it takes a minute or two or three minutes into a song before you realize what song he's actually singing. In fact, I remember a mm-hmm. great uh, a great. Uh, review on Bob Links where somebody took his wife to uh, their first Dylan show and as they were walking out, the guy next to him overheard them chatting 
And the wife says to the husband, was he singing in German? <laughs> I, yeah, that's, that's uh, I remember a time in kind of the, the middle 90s or the late 90s where uh, a group of unnamed Dylan fans, um, some serious Dylanologists among them, would play what they called Dylan Bingo at concerts. <laughs> and it was a sort of, you know, the first one to guess the song. Uh, got a free beer from the others. Oh, that's fun. Um, that's uh, that's that's something that he's he's kind of been, you know, chastised for or 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 mocked for by some critics all his career. Right. You know the fact that he quote unquote can't sing. Um, honestly. I've never had any trouble making out the lyrics, even when he's dropping in new lyrics, and you have to kind of rub your ear and go, wait a minute, did I actually hear that? Well, I remember um, at, that, at that State Fair show, and I, uh, uh, it was still, you know, I mean, I'll take Dylan however he wants to appear, whatever he wants to do, I'm down with it. Totally uncritical. I'm just happy to be in the same place with him. But he came out with Song to Woody, uh, that I'd never heard him do live, and it was so oh, how wonderful. transcendent wow. at the Minnesota State Fair. And then at the end of the show, you had the fireworks, and you're at the, the original grandstand where they had, you know, that was built in, God, no, on 1905, and they used to have, uh, you know, uh, car races there, but it was just such a beautiful moment. But that whole, you know, no, no Woody, no Bob, right? No Woody Guthrie, no Bob, mm. and... Um, it was just, you know, one of 25 moments I can grab uh, in the deep recesses of my memory in terms of Bob Dylan. Uh, so we've got Professor Anne Margaret Daniel on for the whole show tonight. We're going to take another dip into Murder Most Foul and be back with the professor in just a bit. Riding in the back seat next to my wife. Headed straight on into the afterlife I'm leaning to the left I got my head in the lap Oh Lord, I've been led into some kind of a trap Well, we ask no quarter No quarter do we give We're right down the street From the street where you live they mutilated his body and they took out his brain What more could they do? They piled on the pain But his soul was not there Where it was supposed to be at For the last 50 years They've been searching for that Freedom, oh freedom, freedom over me I hate to tell you, mister, but only dead men are free Send me some love, tell me no lie Throw the gun in the gutter and walk on by Wake up, little Susie, let's go for a drive Cross the Trinity River, let's keep hope alive Turn the radio on, don't touch the dials 
Parkland Hospital, only six more miles. You got me dizzy, Miss Lizzie. You fill me with lead. Wolfman Jack, he's speaking in tongues. He's going on and on, on at the top of his lungs. Play me a song, Mr. Wolfman Jack. Play it for me in my long Cadillac. Play me that only the good die young. Take me to the place Tom Dooley was hung. They say James Infirmary in the court of King James. If you want to remember, you better write down the names. Play it at James too. Play it rather go blind. Play it for the man with a telepathic mind. Play John Lee Hooker, play Scratch My Back Play it for that strip club owner named Jack Guitar Slim going down slow Play it for me and for Marilyn Monroe Play, please don't let me be misunderstood Play it for the first lady, she ain't feeling too good Play Don Henley, play Glenn Fry. Take it to the limit and let it go by Play it for Kyle Wilson too Looking far, far away down Gower Avenue Play tragedy, play twilight time Take me back to Tulsa to the scene of the crime Play another one and another one bites the dust Play the old rugged cross and in God we trust Ride the pink horse down that long lonesome road Stand there and wait for us head to explode Welcome back to the third set of the Wall Power Radio Hour. This is your host Paul Metzen and my guest uh, on four shows now, this is the fourth, Professor Anne Margaret Daniel. We just heard uh, a nice little collection of musicians that uh, Dylan name-checked in Murder Most Fall. We started off the line, Wolfman Jack, he's speaking in tongues. He's going on and on at the top of his lungs. Tell us about uh, this part of the song, what you really love about it, Professor. Well, I I love the I love any shout out to Wolfman Jack, um, classic American radio hero. Well, I should say international radio hero, and there there are a lot of references to good old radio stations and DJs and the importance that radio had in American culture, particularly during the 20th century. Um, from you know something like FDR's fireside chats where an entire family would gather around that radio to listen mm-hmm. to, you know, someone like Wolfman Jack and um, and the importance that he certainly had to young people, young musicians who wanted to know what was cool, what was hip, 
what was what was with it, what was popular um, during the whole course of his career. And then, of course, Dylan's own theme time radio hour is embedded in the beginning of this stanza because Dylan, in his uh, DJ role for theme time radio hour, which I purely love and listen to all the time on road trips in the car, mm-hmm. um, he assumes a kind of a Wolfman Jack persona, this, this sort of uh, kind of cranky sometimes, very wry, very sly, um, didactic uh, DJ who's teaching you about all this old music and great things and great songs that you may not have heard before. And then that's exactly what Dylan goes into in the lyrics, in the remaining lyrics of Murder Must Sell, where he says, you know, he says, play me a song, Mr. Wolfman Jack, play it for me in my long Cadillac, play me that only the good die young, take me to the place Tom Dooley was hung, St. James Infirmary, I'd rather go blind, John Lee Hooker scratch my back, guitar slim, going down slow, boom, boom, boom. He just starts hitting you with all these artists and all these songs um, that he clearly wants you to listen to, that he wants you to understand and that he wants you to hear. When he says, play St. James Infirmary, he wants you to know the words to that song, and he wants you to listen to it and pay attention to it, or else why would he have included it, you know? Mm-hmm. I loved... It's, uh, it's much more of a litany than it is a checklist. And that uh, you, you referenced, uh, I'd Rather Go Blind. Play Etta James, too. Play I'd Rather Go Blind. Play it for the man with a telepathic mind. <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> you, you just gotta love it. Um, well, you gotta, you gotta love the... But then you dig a little deeper, and you know that there was a guy called the man with the telepathic mind, Okay, tell us about that. That's why we have you on the show, because you know stuff nobody else knows. So what's the deep dive there? I think it, it... I think it. I think it got figured out pretty quickly um, once people started diving in. Um, there was a guy named William McCaffrey, William H. McCaffrey, and he was a he was a card sharp. He was a card uh, a, a magician hmm. from Pittsburgh, and he traveled around. Uh, he was, a, he was a student of hypnotism and this, that, and the other, and he traveled around doing kind of a sideshow. Um, it, was, it was sort of a semi-pro act that he called Psychic Possibilities, and he did this act on into the, into the 20th century. Um, he lived until, I think, 1988 or 89. He lived to be quite an old guy, and he um, spent most of the rest of his career in L.A., and he was always billed as the man with the telepathic mind. Like, he could tell you which card you were going to pick before you picked it, that kind of thing. So um, even what seems to be just kind of a cool, strange rhyme has a basis, in fact. And Dylan, Dylan is a master of taking fact and fiction and fragments and splinters, and it's what he does with all that. He takes quotations, he takes paraphrases, he takes, um, you know, in this song, he takes colloquial phrases like, you know, shot down like a dog or blew his head off. He takes those phrases and he mixes them and makes something entirely new out of them and he redeploys them in such an original way. 
Thank you for that story. That stuff you're only going to get to hear if you listen to Wall Power Radio with my great guest, like Professor Ann Margaret Daniel. I just love that. You know, the one thing that uh, uh, that I've always appreciated about Dylan is his sense of American history. Not just not just music, history. Oh, period. He he absolutely is a historian, and it's it's you know I I'd, I'd like to claim him just for America. But I think he probably knows more about classical history and classical mythology. Um, he certainly seems to know more about uh, certain aspects of European history, mm-hmm. um, you know, than a lot of professors do. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, later on, uh, or part of the song, you know, the Birdman Alcatraz, play Buster Keaton, play Harold Lloyd, play Bugsy Siegel, yeah. play Pretty Boy Floyd. I mean, these are just... Uh, such icons in American history, and uh, God bless Mr. Dillon for putting them all together in one 17-minute song. <laughs> they really are, and they just they flood your mind with memories and reminders, as you must think they they do. His, you know, the Birdman of Alcatraz was was yes, he was a, a criminal, but he was also a really cool guy and a serious ornithologist. And then, of course, the layer on top of that is the film that was made with Burt Lancaster mm-hmm. that, you know, and, and Dylan has a lot of movie references. I mean, this is, remember, this is a little boy who in the 1940s spent a lot of time in his local family theater there. The Lima <laughs> Theater. Uh, in fact, you know, that, uh, that theater yep. is still there. It's a bakery now. Um, but the oh, actual, really? yeah, you could still go. It's right at the end of, uh, on the West end of Howard street. There was a bad fire, though. I don't know exactly. I was just up north uh, uh-huh. last week in the uh, uh, the Moose Club. Uh, I don't know if it burnt to the ground, but there was a bad fire there. And that's, of course, where oh, that's terrible. Bob used to sneak in and serenade Echo Hellstrom on the rickety piano up there. Yeah, right in downtown oh. Hibbing. <laughs> so I just saw there was, I don't know, I hope to God they saved the building, but but who knows. Um and Mark Yeah, well, it's good to know. It's good to know the movie theater is still standing. Yeah, and there's still uh, the um, actually the little theater, which I believe was uh, his grandmother's nickname, or there was some connection with her name. That's why they called it the Libba. But there's actually the Libba. Yeah, yeah the Libba. That's actually those. Uh, the actual letters for those are in a warehouse somewhere in Hemming. Somebody's got them. So huh. if they ever recreate, well, you have it, to you, you have to you have to wonder. You know, did did that did that little kid uh, did Bobby back in the in the mid late 1940s? Did he see a Buster Keaton uh, double feature uh-huh. on the screen? There is that where he first saw Harold Lloyd. Certainly, is that where he first saw Terry Malloy? Right. Or it happened one night, and uh, you know. Merchant of Death. There are all these movies that make their way among the songs into the end of Murder Must Foul. How did you feel when you so you started listening at twelve oh two on a dark <laughs> night when you couldn't sleep? How did you feel by the end of the song? And seventeen minutes later, how did Professor Daniel feel? Well, I um, I. I did the old Da Capo El Fine. <laughs> I, went, <laughs> I went back to the beginning and listened to it all over again. So I was pretty much, I was pretty much down for more than half an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, 
I was impelled to, to write something about it. And then I curled up and I went to sleep very soundly, actually, with, with this kind of rich stew in my head. And um, the next day, I, I actually went to see what other people's reactions to the song were, because I kind of, I knew that there would be a lot of company. I knew that the song would have a lot of people listening to it, and that as a result, it would draw a lot of people together. And that's something Dylan does so well. I was I was grateful the next day. I was really happy to have friends who were talking about this and thinking about this mm-hmm. and listening to it. And it was it was something nice that we could have in common, even though, as you pointed out, it certainly is a dark song yeah. um, in a lot of ways, in in primary ways. But it's also something that that gave a whole lot of people something new to listen to, something interesting and moving to think about, and, you know, some positive other songs to listen to. Maybe somebody would never heard that Old Devil Moon or Memphis in June before, mm-hmm. and they went and listened to them. Maybe somebody never heard the Moonlight Sonata played, and they took some comfort from that after listening to this song of Dylan's. And so I guess I, I kind of woke up the next day more in a grateful vein, <laughs> Which is saying something in these days. Well, and uh, I think kind of the whole gift of rough and rowdy ways was, number one, who really saw it coming? And then all of a sudden, he releases three tracks, and then and then the record comes out. Uh, during these times, what a, what a balm uh, for anybody that, uh, that digs Dylan, or like you and I, loves Dylan. Just what a wonderful way to help us get get through this time honestly paul i think it's a balm for anyone who thinks and feels Mm -hmm. there you go yeah absolutely we've got uh, professor ann margaret daniel on we're going to chat with her a little bit more uh, after these messages we'll be right back Welcome back to the last set of the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. I would like to thank my guest, Professor Ann-Margaret Daniel. We've had four great episodes doing the deep dive into Bob Dylan's new record, and I call it a masterpiece called Rough and Rowdy Ways. And so when you think about Bob Dylan, how would you, where do you place him just in terms of American history, greatest songwriter, one of the great poets, great American. How would you describe him? Carry on. You're getting there. <laughs> well, he's just... Uh, all, of the, all, all of the above. And he's... Don't, don't set him in stone yet. Uh, he's, he's still rolling. Mm-hmm. Well, Bob Dylan is a work... In progress, you know. When you think about it, I keep going back to this uh, releasing this record at the age of seventy-nine. When most guys his age are retired, they're playing shuffleboard, they're going to the casino, and Bob is out there working. And what he's not <laughs> writing, and he would be on the road uh, if we weren't going through these these uh, pandemic times. But I look at him. Uh, as a as a as an Iron Ranger, um, who 
became a, a musician and folk musician due to a large part of Bob's influence on me and then, of course, all my other influences. But I, at the end of the day, I look at Bob Dylan, I, and I tell people, and I, and I truly believe this, that you can go to a bar on the Iron Range on a Friday or Saturday, Saturday night and, fi- and find char- the five character traits that I think, to me, uh, define Dylan. Uh, the loner, the greaser, the asshole, the guy that just got off the uh, second shift, uh, maybe worked a double that day, uh, having a drink before he goes home to feed his family, and then the weirdo at the back of the bar drinking cheap brandy, reading James Joyce. <laughs> and then look further, and you find an explorer getting on a really teeny tiny boat to head out into a big, empty, unknown ocean and not thinking about it twice. Mm. Um, You have someone who is sitting around in a toga with only the most primitive kinds of writing implements, you know, um, those pens that you find in Roman graves and still sometimes in the streets of Rome when they're dug up for construction, writing on what they had for paper, whether it was processed like papyrus or whether it was an animal skin vellum, you find someone writing poems. Throw those in there, too. <laughs> and then you have to think back as a 19-year-old. He hitchhikes to New York City in January. Nobody hitchhikes cross-country in the middle of the winter, unless you're from the Iron Range. And now he's welding, and there's nothing more Iron Range than Bob Dylan with it. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the point about the welding. Yeah, he's, he seems to be very much um, enjoying two of his newer uh, professions, which are, number one, the... Um, Number one, the uh, sculpting that he's doing, incredible sculptures, Mm -hmm. really beautiful sculptures, many of which are made out of, uh, many of which are made out of, uh, you know, basically car parts, industrial parts. And and that harken back to just what you're talking about, you know, laborers and factories and guys who've just gotten off a shift. Um, And he's making art out of these machine things. Uh, in a way that kind of harkens back to Chaplin's modern times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and he also really seems to be enjoying his new ventures like this Heaven's Door. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the whiskey making. And who knows what he's going to do next. I would not have called the, uh, I would not have called the distillery brand. But um, <laughs> That would have been on your Dylan bingo card, beer bingo? It was not on my Dylan bingo card, strangely. <laughs> I mean, the Victoria's Secret, remember the Victoria's Secret? Oh my God, that came out of left field. With uh, Adriana Lima in a palazzo somewhere in Venice. That was on my card because he did mention ladies' undergarments as a, as a possible um, a possible career or focus back in some interview in 1965 or 66. Well, that's the other... Uh, the thing about Bob Dylan that that uh, uh, that I've always admired, he's got such an incredible sense of humor. Yes, he does, and he's not given nearly enough credit for that. Mm-hmm. And Margaret Daniel, this has been such uh, an incredible series of shows. Well, can I have any time you have a new project on or you just want to talk, get in touch with me. I'd have you on any time to talk about anything you want. How can people track down your work? What's your website? 
Oh, it's <laughs> that's very kind of you to ask. It's just my name at Anne with an E, Margaret Daniel dot com. And that's Daniel D A N I E L. Yes, thank you so much for asking. Well, and thank you so much. It's uh, I look forward to meeting you in person. I look forward to giving you a personally guided tour of Dinky Town. Then we're going to Duluth, and then we're going to Hibbing, and then we're going to go to a bar on Howard Street and have a couple of cocktails. Excellent. I cannot wait. <laughs> I really can't wait. And some, some sunny day, this will come to pass, Paul. Thank you so much. Thank you, and have a wonderful day, and uh, go take those dogs of yours for a beautiful long walk. I will do just that. Bye, Paul. Thanks, Ed. Bye-bye. Not all poor men are honest, not all rich men are thieves, but the rich man owns the orchard, you know, the poor man rakes the leaves. And as the world goes around, all I want to ask is, if the rich man owns the land, why must the poor man pay the taxes? Why does justice go so slow, slow justice slowly goes? Poor means stop, only rich means go. Slow justice, slowly goes. They say a woman's work is never done. Do you wonder why? They could pick half as much for double time on the by and by. Well, I ain't no country doctor, ain't no country doctor's kid. But I can tell you that my mother never lived in has Why did justice go so slow? Slow justice, slowly goes. Black minister in Memphis town, black prince at Albon Hall. They used different guns in Cape Town, but the same bullet shot them all. South Africa was a ghetto, now it plays like broken glass. One world with different colors, you know there ain't no second class. Why does justice go so slow? Slow justice slowly goes. Any color needs stop, only white needs go. Slow justice slowly goes The People's House in D.C. is wider than before There's a bunker in the basement and gold locks on the door The ghosts of slaves are marching, reading red and white and blue From the streets of Minneapolis to Pennsylvania Avenue Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show was produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Patrick Gwellia. We'd like to thank our great guest, Professor Ann Margaret Daniel. The song you heard, Slow Justice 2.0, is going to be coming up on the re-release of my record I did in 92 called Whistling Past the Graveyard. Stay in tune with paulmetza.com to find out more info on that. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy. 